This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I will say, hearing this and a lot of the things that the United States have done, I would not want a part of the United States either. <laughs> Hello everyone, this is Carmen and Christina, and you're listening to Historias Unknown, the podcast where we talk about <laughs> stories you might not know. I, d- I didn't add on because I'm like, I just didn't feel like it. Well, good thing you're not bringing the topic today. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, today I am bringing the topic. And this might be a story that some know. Oh, wait. I Oh, I'm sorry. Before you um talk about your topic. I had like a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more thoughts about last week's topic that I did. Oh, yeah. Okay. The only thing I wanted to say is that, well, if, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back and listen to that. Cause why would you listen out of order? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I listen to everything out of order. Weird. Anyway, last week we talked about international adoption in Chile, but more than that, the role that Pinochet's dictatorship had on international adoption and basically what ended up happening. Well, just listen to that episode. But I feel like I didn't say enough or say that it was like basically genocide that was committed, right? The the women that were affected the most by the coer- coercion and forced, you know, basically international adopting of their children were indigenous women of um, the Mapuche tribe um, in Chile. And I feel like you said that. No, no, I know. That's not my point. My point oh, is that, that I didn't say enough that because it was Mapuche women that were affected the most, that essentially it, that was genocide. Uh, because when you take away the children, they have no one to continue the culture, basically. Right. Good point. Yes. And that is, you know, that was like state sanctioned genocide and the fact that the united states backed pinochet's coup essentially that was also u.s sanctioned genocide in chile Mm, yes yes and it made me think about like how and how many places has the united states played a role in the genocide of indigenous people right because we've talked about el salvador everywhere yeah we've talked about guatemala (laughs) we've talked about now chile and then of course the state-sanctioned genocide that the United States has done here in the United States. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I just feel like I didn't touch on that enough. And those okay. are all my thoughts well, about um, last thank week's you episode. For that. That yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and I um, I feel like I didn't learn anything about Puerto Rico in school, aside from the fact that it was 
a quote unquote, well, I guess, what is it called? A US territory colony? I think it's like what a what territory. What is it called? Commonwealth. I don't know what the official term is. I feel like it's territory, but I'm not sure either. Okay, that's all I knew about it um, and that they are considered U.S. citizens. And I feel like everything else about it. Oh, oh my God. Why was I going to say El Salvador? <laughs> it's been on my mind lately. Um, With all the Bukele bu- bullshit. Bukele just uh, sent like 10,000 troops to one of the cities there. So, yeah, it has been on my mind. Um, and all the, you know, uh, unlawful imprisonment of people. So... <laughs> I accidentally yeah. said El Salvador, but no, I'm talking about Puerto Rico today. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know enough about Puerto Rico. And um, I've been reading a book called War Against All Puerto Ricans. And uh, this is where I heard about uh, El Ponce Massacre. Have you heard about it? I have not. Okay. Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. El Ponce Massacre. Uh, Ponce is a city in Puerto Rico. And I mean, I would hope that Puerto Ricans probably know more about this me you know us not being Puerto Rican at all or knowing of I don't I didn't even know that many Puerto Rican people in um growing up either just like a couple yeah um so it's not yeah it's something I don't I know nothing about so I was digging into their history a little bit and came across this atrocity and you could trace it back to the United States as with most things (laughs) of course I'm tired of this (laughs) Me too. Fucking this United happened in the States. 19... Yeah. Yeah, seriously. So this happened in the 1930s. And... um, But I do want to paint a picture, a more... Cl- a, a bigger picture of Puerto Rico and the United States than I did in the Vieques episode. Because I touched a little bit on it in the Vieques episode. Um, But I'm going to paint a picture again here. Just in case anyone has forgotten or didn't listen to that episode. Some people don't listen in order, as Carmen said. To set up the time period again, we're going to go way, way back, like in the Viegas episode. So Christopher Columbus, he was the first, they were the first to encounter Christopher Columbus, uh, the Taino people, right? Um, He arrived in, you know, what we now call Puerto Rico in 1493, committed atrocities, horrible things, even to like their standards at the time. Oh, yeah. Horrible things. Um, I, one thing I learned that I didn't know about, because I thought that I thought back then that people didn't condone Columbus. I thought that. Oh, yeah. They but did. I learned that they did very much so that most people of his his own people disapproved. Not the people that did the atrocities with him, but like the Spanish queen and king the, that the, who funded, employed him. Right. Yeah. They disapproved highly of the shit he was doing and told him to stop. <laughs> I yeah. learned that from behind the bastards episodes on Columbus. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. I need to listen to some other episodes. I don't want to listen to all of them, but I still have to dig through some other episodes. Um, so yeah, he committed atrocities, you know, after that, uh, the Spanish, you know, all arrived. And it was a Spanish territory until 1898, when the United States invaded in the Spanish-American War. And as mentioned in the Vieques episode, the United States had been eyeing Puerto Rico due to its, you know, resources and strategic location because they had already been, you know, doing shit in Latin America. (laughs) And Puerto Rico made it easy to, if they set base in Puerto Rico, they could access the rest of Latin America, right? So they'd been eyeing this, you know, Puerto Rico. And of course, Puerto Ricans, they weren't just lying around sitting okay with this. There's always revolutionary moments. 
brewing and, you know, people fighting back. Uh, El Grito de Lares, which I will cover one day, occurred in 1868. And there was the Puerto Rican National Party uh, led by Alviso. Oh, my God. Why didn't I write down his full name? I thought I was going to remember it. <laughs> I just wrote Alviso and I was like, I'll remember the rest of his name. Hold on. Alviso. She did not. <laughs> Sorry. Pedro Alviso Campos. That is his name, his full name. Why Why I just wrote Alviso is beyond me. So the Puerto Rican uh, National Party was, you know, growing. And of course, a complete revolution against the United States, you know, it was going to be very difficult um, because of the military stronghold that the United States has and has yeah. always had, right? So in 1899, uh, Hurricane San Siriaco destroyed the island. And, you know, uh, hurricanes are always devastating in, in the Caribbean, as we remember with like Hurricane Maria and the yeah. and last a few months ago, several months ago mm -hmm. now, um, the newest hurricane that hit the island. So it destroyed the coffee harvest in Puerto Rico. Only 5 million of the 50 million pounds were saved. Wow. And this is a lot of the economy... Uh, relied on coffee right mm -hmm. as we covered in our coffee episode <laughs> <laughs> and you think because this happened in 1899 right the united states invaded in 1898 you'd think that because this is a newly acquired territory for the united states and they said you know we're going to be better than the spanish this is what they said you'd think that they would send help uh hurricane relief right i would have assumed that uh the united states no, of course not. They did the well, opposite. Look actually. at that. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. No. Uh, but in this year, 1899, they did the opposite of help. Uh, the next year in 1900, they banned the peso, which Puerto Rico was using because, you know, of Spain. They banned the Puerto Rican peso and they valued it at 60 American cents. Every peso was now worth 60 American cents. Oh overnight God. essentially every puerto rican lost 40 percent or more of their savings in an instant uh on top of that in 1901 they enacted the hollander tax this forced puerto rican landowners to mortgage their land with u.s banks and there was no limits on like pricing spikes so interest rates spiked and many lost their land to u.s banks oh my god yeah and there was a diverse farm economy like a farmland it was diverse it wasn't just coffee it was coffee sugar cotton a few other things right and um because now the banks owned this and then they you know sold it to american companies they turned all this to sugar so sugar was took up like 80 percent of the farmland after this the first civilian governor of Puerto Rico, because they couldn't elect their own governor, it was appointed by the United States mm -hmm. president. So the first civilian governor of Puerto Rico used his time in office to become the king of sugar. Oh, my God. Returned to the United States to become president of the largest sugar company, the American Sugar Refining Company, which was then called Domino Sugar. Then, in 1922, uh, the U.S. declared Puerto Rico a colony, not a state, allowing people to be exploited because the United States Constitution did not yeah. apply to them. Uh, so, also in 1926, uh, the, the auditor of the United Fruit Company, oh my which we are very familiar with, was appointed <laughs> auditor of the entirety of Puerto Rico. Oh my God. He was the auditor for the island of Puerto Rico. 
and he he was just appointed this it's just so infuriating how many latin american countries become like playthings for fucking united american corporations i mean you know like yeah and this is why uh, well let me finish this little excerpt here before i go on my rant okay <laughs> so uh, <laughs> by 1930 45% of puerto rico had become sugar plantations owned by the banks as well as the coastal railroad and the san juan seaport by 1934, 41 syndicates owned all sugar plantations, and 80% of those sugar plantations were owned by foreign interests, including the United States, at most majority United States. So this, the land was not Puerto Rican. It was United States land like that owned, owned it. Uh, Puerto Ricans sought work, uh, but wages were so low, they were paid four times less than they had been paid under Spanish rule. For, like, the same jobs. Oh, my God. So it was even worse than the Spanish. Yes. And on top of that, products finished in the United States imported into Puerto Rico were 15 more ex- 50% more expensive in Puerto Rico than they were in the, in the United 15 States. 15 or 50? 15. Oh, okay, okay. Which is still a lot when you're yeah, making four times less, less. than... Oh, yes. my God. And because Puerto Rico had no... Like Congress people, nothing, right? They couldn't enact minimum wage laws or pricing laws to protect themselves. So they were just uh, being super exploited. And I'm sure I've come across this a lot just in the people that I follow on TikTok and stuff. But a lot of people will be like, well, these countries are better off than they were before. No, and they my weren't. my question is, no, exactly. Were they? I don't think so. And We'll never know. We'll never know what what these places would be like without this corruption and capitalism. A lot of these you know? places were thriving in their own way without yeah. colonization. You know what I mean? And then after that, capitalism. I mean, look at what the United States, you know, and Hawaii. all this that was done back then, all this that was done to Puerto Rico back then, the effects of it are still being lived to this yeah. day. And so people are like, I don't know defending the or they want the united puerto rico to become part of the united states but officially but like having been what they are has not benefited puerto rico at all they are still at the hand at the mercy Mm -hmm. of the united states electrical companies phone companies Mm -hmm. everything and it's just it's shitty like people will be like oh i don't know i already said that actually so yeah i don't know it just it just makes me very mad that um people will say things like that about these countries um yeah when when they could have just been left alone and they would have been fine they would have been amazing probably i don't know most of us maybe would not be here you know i don't even care i think we'd be here in a different way (laughs) in a different capacity right yeah anyway we wouldn't be slaves to capitalism (laughs) so with all this corruption the attempted banning of spanish because let me tell you that they were forcing english in schools in puerto rico oh my god they had just taken over puerto rico right so this was still in 18 Mm -hmm. okay oh during this whole time um but yeah when when they got there they were setting up schools and they were banning spanish and it's like please Give them a chance to. It, well, that is gonna, the goal to destroy the culture so that you make people easier yeah. to control. And you know, the Spanish arrives and they destroyed the Taino culture. Uh, no, sorry, they d- attempted to destroy it. There are still Taino people today. Yeah. Let me make that clear because then people start speaking about these indigenous people as like if they're, they're like a thing from the past. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and very that's much not still true. present. Yeah. In fact, the there is a Taino book of language that they just like a group of indigenous people just made um, to try and translate from Spanish to Taino so people can learn Taino, mm, which is pretty cool. Amazing. Yes, that they could do that. Amazing. So, yeah, they tried to ban Spanish. They banned the Puerto Rican flag. Um, and so, yeah, there was a growing anti-U.S. sentiment, of course. I mean, how could there not? <laughs> And um, part of this uh, was the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party. Um, they were growing in numbers. They wanted a uh, free Puerto Rico. And they rarely participated in, uh, what's it called, uh, elections. Um, they really focused on public education, international advocacy, and growing the Liberation Army. So the Liberation Army was also called the Cadets of Puerto Rico. And this was uh, the, you know, supposed military branch of the Nationalist Party. And they underwent official training, it included marching, self-defense, field tactics, survival. But they couldn't have weapons, so they trained with wooden rifles. But they were proud, um, you know. They, they had recruiting stations all over Puerto Rico. And by 1936, 10,000 had joined their ranks across a number of cities. This wasn't all in one place. Uh, and they had 50 companies, each with 200 cadets. And it was, you know, a full-on, like, army organization, military organization. Like, sergeants, officers, one commander-in-chief named Raimundo Diaz Pacheco. And they all reported to Pedro Alviso Campos, the leader of the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party. They were obviously they were not trying to do a military coup and overthrow the United States. That was impossible. There's no doing that, right? Uh, they didn't even have. I mean, weapons. they didn't have the they manpower had, to do that, let alone the weapons, like you said. Yeah. Let, yeah, exactly. But they did want to. Their main goal was to bring awareness to the colonial status of Puerto Rico, to make it clear, like we want to be free. Uh, we are not a free people here, and they mm -hmm. are not. They were not. And the cadets, they marched in parades, they attended religious events, they trained in backyards of people. They had one airplane, so an Air Force was one airplane. Oh my God. Um, that a uh, Puerto Rican, um, it was his plane, and so, in, but he used, they used it for this. Um, in fact, when they had been, uh, they were being surveilled by the FBI, and they didn't pose a threat, like, a physical threat to the united states right but they're but the message they were communicating the message yes was a threat to the united states and so they were being surveilled by the fbi and there had been instances of nationalist party leaders being killed in fact one of the when i think there was like four of them that were killed prior to what i'm going to talk about the ponce massacre um, this is all in the 1930s so there had been four of them that were killed by police like broad daylight nothing happened to the police officers and in their funeral that one plane that the nationalist party had flew over and you know dropped uh flowers and like a uh, puerto rican flag um yeah so um that was not my notes i was just randomly mentioning that so uh nearly nearly every cadet aside from the officers were between 14 and 25 years old and there was a women's branch. Initially, I was going to talk about them, Las Hijas de la Libertad, but I need to get a whole nother book to do that. <laughs> so um, I will talk about them one day. And they were nurses. They were trained by nurses. Um, 
And so, like I mentioned, they, the cadets and the whole party was being um, surveilled by the FBI. And they had also been infiltrated by them from the start, of course. And many um, were shot, killed in, you know, town squares and in parades, which is what I'm going to be talking about today. The massacre that happened during a... That was a parade? Yes. Um, oh, whoops. That was supposed to be later in my notes. Sorry. <laughs> So for a while, the United States just kept tabs on the Nationalist Party and the cadets. They didn't do much else. It wasn't until 1934 when um, Pedro Alviso Campos and the Nationalist Party led a strike and stopped the sugar economy for a whole month and managed to double the sugar workers' pay to 12 cents an hour. 12 cents? Yeah, 12 cents. Dub that's doubled. Wow. Because they were doing six cents before that. So um, that's when FBI surveillance ramped up and they were just kind of like, we need to stop them. And the Insular Police, that was like the National Guard, basically, of Puerto Rico under and they were they followed the governor's orders. The governor had orders from uh, Coolidge, I think. The guy before FDR, but both FDR and the guy before FDR were like very anti Puerto Rico, um, anti-nationalist party. Mm -hmm. So they had orders to, um, you know, stop these people, stop this movement, right? So the imprisonment of party leaders also ramped up. And as I mentioned, um, many were being shot, killed in front of police stations, town squares, and parades. Yeah, one of these uh, um Killings occurred on Palm Sunday, and this became known as Ponce Massacre. Now, I'm sure you know, too, but Palm Sunday is a big deal. There is there is parades all over yeah. Latin American uh, countries and, you know, um, cities with high populations of Latinos, Latines. We went to some of the parades ourselves. In Oakland, they had some, yeah. You walked around with your giant leaf or your cross made you know yeah with the leaves, and that's when right? they have um jesucristo on the cross right walking around i think so right I, yeah at least palm that's Sunday what i remember the easter thing yes yes so yeah it's a it's a whole thing right so it was palm sunday 1937 it was a uh, march 21st and there was always a parade and as i mentioned before the cadets they always participated in these parades and although they didn't need to, they did file a permit to have this parade. It, legally, they could just do it. They didn't need mm. a permit. But they filed one and it was granted. And nearly 300 families attended the parade. Uh, the families cheered as 80 cadets and um, 12 hijas de la libertad, the Daughters of Freedom, the women's branch of the Nationalist Party or the Liberation Army. So they cheered as they marched. Uh, the women wore a white nurse, white nursing dresses. That was their uniform. The cadets had white trousers with black shirts and I think like a white hat. They waved their palm fronds and the palm leaf crucifixes. And it was uh, peaceful until the mayor of Ponce and the insular police chief, Guillermo Sodevilla, arrived. And they announced that the uh, permit had been revoked and everyone needed to leave. The Puerto Rican governor, not Puerto Rican governor, sorry, the governor of Puerto Rico. He's a white man. I forgot it. I have his name written down later. Um, so the governor had ordered the permit to be revoked and he wanted 
the police presence increased in Ponce. And he wanted this presentation, this parade, prevented by any means necessary. Those were his orders. Oh my god. And this is just a Palm Sunday parade. Like, they're not doing anything. (laughs) Um, So over 200 police officers were present. uh, And they were dressed for battle. Like, they had their... riot police? Yeah, they had their big stupid boots on. Like, (laughs) horse riding boots and hats on and, like, batons. And they were armed with rifles, pistols. For a religious parade? Yeah. A religious gathering? Thompson submachine guns and tear gas because one of the things that this governor had done with the help of whoever the president before FDR is I can't remember his name (laughs) I thought I think it is Coolidge it is Coolidge okay maybe you should look it up so we don't sound dumb you're this right. isn't an I'm American just, history podcast this I don't give a shit about American history podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah president before FDR Oh, this might have been FDR at the time then, because FDR was 1933 to 1945. Oh. Oh, this was FDR's Well, orders, well. Who was very racist himself. Yes. <laughs> That's why it's not <laughs> shocking at all. No, not at all. So he um helped arm this insular police um to the T. They were not disarmed before. But of course, with the United States comes the militarization of uh, police. Mm-hmm. So the police captain, the mayor, and a few of the Nationalist Party members were arguing for a little bit until Tomas Lopez de Victoria, a leader of the Nationalist Party that was present, ordered the mar- the band, the marching band, to play La Borinqueña, uh, the Puerto Rican National Party, or sorry, National Party, the Puerto Rican National Anthem. He ordered them to play it, and as they march, and they started marching again. Is what I was trying to say. Uh, the parade continued. Families waved their fa- their palm fronds, and they were singing along. And then a shot was fired. Oh my god! I literally uncalled for out of nowhere for no reason. A shot was fired, and Cadet Ivan Rodriguez Figueres fell to the ground. Screams began. A second shot was fired, and then 18-year-old Juan Torres Gregory was killed. He was just looking out of his window. He wasn't even in the parade. Oh, my God. More shots were fired. People screamed. People were running. People were falling over because they were being shot at with machine guns. The police chased people down. So even if bullets didn't hit them, they were clubbed to death by police officers. That happened with 57-year-old Maria Hernandez. Oh, my God. And even if they managed to run, they were surrounded. The police set up, like, basically, yeah, they had them surrounded. The flag bearer, the cadet's flag bearer fell. And then Carmen Fernandez tried to pick the flag up and she was shot in the chest. Uh, Dominga Cruz managed to grab the flag and she got away. Um, The police continued firing. You know, they fired and fired. And when they hit Cadet Bolivar Marquez de Lechea, he was shot. He crawled to the nearest wall. And in his own blood, he wrote, Viva la República. Oh, my God. Abajo con los asesinos. Long live the Republic, down with the murderers. It's wild. It's like, he's I got chills too. He's dying. And this this is the last thing he did. It's just terrible. And then he also added three crucifixes uh, next to his words, uh, written in his own blood. Wild. This continued for 13 minutes. 
and by the end of it, 21 were dead, 19 women, including, and no, sorry, 19 Children. men, 19 men, one woman, and one seven-year-old girl. Yeah. Oh, my God. Two of the 19 men were their own police officers. And uh, one of them was heard, like, saying, no, no, I'm a police officer. And they still shot him. Like, <laughs> fucking dumbasses. That's what they fucking get. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so after everything was over, uh, the police chief arrived. He looked at the damage and he saw Angel Lebron, a photographer for the Ponce newspaper El Mundo. He was running and taking pictures. He of- wanted to shoot him. No. Oh, okay. I thought that's where that was going to, yeah, but no. you know how they do the media and the right? journalists. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that's not what they did. Instead, he forced Angel Lebron to take pictures that were obviously staged. Oh, I they, see. They f- propped up some of these people to make it look like they were shooting the officers. They they took pictures of themselves on rooftops, pointing down to make it seem like they were firing um sorry no they pointed the police officers were pointing their weapons yeah, up yeah, yeah. to make it seem like they were firing at the nationalists who were at the rooftops like shooting, shooting police them. officers supposedly again the cadets and the liberation army had no weapons mm-hmm. maybe a few of them had personal arms but as a liberation army they had no weapons so this was already impossible right so uh, he took these stage, had him take these staged pictures. They were clearly staged. <laughs> there was no way they were not staged. And this didn't. And this is what they released right out to the media. But it, it, no one believed it. Mm. Every newspaper ran the story, and they were they made sure to say civilians were all unarmed. All they had were palm fronds, or the crucifixes made with the palms. That's all they had. And every newspaper was like, "We're not lying," and they put out the real story with the real pictures good and this was in puerto rico right so the day after the massacre governor winship sent insular police to the hospital where the victims were being treated and they began arresting them oh my god and then he radioed you know back to dc and he reported that the nationalists started firing at his police and there was they started the shooting and then the governor, uh, he pressured the DA's office and, you know, the public prosecutor to continue arresting the Puerto Rican nationalists and, you know, to not charge police officers. And the public prosecutor who was, you know, at the time in office, Rafael Perez uh, Marchand, I think is how you say his last name. I don't know. Anyway, he resigned. He refused to, you know, Good. give in to yeah, Winship's demands. Right. But then the next guy who was, you know, hired or whatever um, took his place, he did uh, listen to Governor Winship. Uh, So they did start arresting the Puerto Rican nationalists. And, you know, the media, Puerto Rican media at the time and newspapers were like, what are you arresting them for? For the crime of killing themselves? Like, yeah. They even had like front page stories. Um, So one magazine called Florete ran an illustration by cartoonist Manuel de Calatán. And this was a drawing of the staged photo of, of mm. them doing the staged pictures. And they wrote, um, now we can say that they shot us from the rooftops. Like, <laughs> in the comic, like, this is bold. Yeah, yeah. And every newspaper was running photos of the actual scene and of the all the bullet holes. But in the United States, that was not the story being told. Because of Winship's report and the uh, 
yeah, his report, um, the, the New York Times, the Washington Post, I think another newspaper called Detroit something, they ran a front page story saying that Puerto Rican nationalist riots had occurred and more than 18 died because of the Puerto Rican nationalists. Oh, my God. And, um, you know, they this, you know, the news cycle lasted a little longer at the time. So while this was in the news cycle, they never once used the word massacre, though they did use... Uh, riots a bunch if there's one thing we can count on even in you know the history since newspapers began is for them to lie <laughs> um and take the side of the oppressor which is always the united states yeah um but there was a, a puerto rican like liaison or something not like a congressperson because mm-hmm. they didn't have that at the time who um you know heard about it and he's like that's not that's not possible he went to puerto rico to investigate and he started like a commission to investigate what really happened yeah and so there was um there was a puerto rican government investigation that went nowhere they found nothing wrong of course like (laughs) after they investigate themselves yeah (laughs) um yeah there was an independent commission um, that did an investigation and they, uh, you know, reviewed the evidence, the photos, they talked to the people and they did um, reveal when they revealed their findings, uh, 30,000 people showed up to hear the results. Wow. And they found that it was not a riot. Obviously, this was a massacre by the police. Yeah. And they did say this was a massacre. This was a state sanctioned massacre. Um when the funerals for the victims happened in Ponce and in Mayagüez, 20,000 people showed up to mourn the victims. Wow. Um, and I just want to say the name of the people that, you know, lost their lives. There is 21 of them. So Juan Delgado Cotal Nieves, Maria Hernandez del Rosario, Luis Jimenez Morales, Seferino Loyola Perez, Jorgina Maldonado. She was a seven-year-old. Mm. Bolivar Marquez Telechea, he was the one who wrote in his mm-hmm. own blood. Ramon Ortiz Toro, Ulpiano Perea, Juan Antonio Pietrantoni. That was wow. <laughs> Juan Reyes Rivera, Conrado, Conrado Rivera Lopez, Ivan Rodriguez Figueras, he's the first one who was shot. Mm. Uh, Genaro Rodriguez Mendez, Pedro Juan Rodriguez Rivera, Obdulio Rosario, Eusebio Sanchez Perez, Juan Santos Ortiz, Juan Torres Gregory, Teodoro Vélez Torres. Yeah, 21 of them. Wow. And no police were ever charged, convicted, oh or God, arrested. Wow. I mean, yep. not wow, because of course, but what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, or even suspended for what they did that day. Governor Winship never issued an apology. And he though, remained governor, too. Uh, for a year oh, okay. or two years after. He was replaced in 1939. And there was an attempt at his life made in 1938. I wish it would have happened. <laughs> Same. Because let Die me tell bitch. you the audacity of this asshole. Oh, you mean there's so worse? Okay. This parade, he chose to have a parade in Ponce. To commemorate the U.S. invasion of Puerto Rico. And he did this in the place where he and his police (laughs) massacred 21 people the year before. He did this a year later. That is some real audacity. I wish they would have killed him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But 
after the Ponce massacre, an, a oh, sorry, an ACLU branch was created in Puerto Rico. The massacre is commemorated every single year without fail in Ponce. There is a Ponce Massacre Museum on the corner of Aurora and Marina. You can go in and you see, you know, uh, the flag that they managed to save is there. Pictures of the event. I'm not going to post pictures of like the deceased yeah. people. They are out there on the internet. You can see them. They are horrifying. I will post pictures, some pictures, but not pictures that contain the victims. I mean, there's no reason to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they are in the museum. There's also a section dedicated to Pedro Albizu Campos. So, mm. uh, yeah, that is El Ponce Massacre. <sighs> <laughs> yep. Fuck uh, no the other United words. States, I guess, is my final thought mm. uh, for today. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, it. no more and for me the rest of the day. No, no more, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was mostly all from War Against uh, Puerto Ricans, the book that I've been reading. That's just one chapter in the book. Um, well, because so. there's so much shit that the fucking United States has done and continues to do to Puerto Rico. And it is mm -hmm. absolutely infuriating and disgusting. And yeah, yeah. we just want to say, I mean, we fully support puerto ricans and their fight for liberation that has been going on since the u.s invaded and spain before that you know what i mean yes yeah i fully agree um i i mean i don't know there's people that are like oh it should become a state i don't know that that's i can't speak for puerto rico i don't know that that's what the majority of the people want I will say hearing this and a lot of the things that the United States have done, I would not want a part of the United States either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and, you know, I the reason I didn't summarize our podcast or whatever earlier is because I'm trying to think of something else to say, because, you know, we do talk about horrible things. But within those horrible things, there are stories of, I don't know, inspiring stories, stories of what is that word for when you... Are fighting the government like there's a word <laughs> for that like a revolution yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's um inspiring stories stories of revolution revolutionaries um and so it's not just horrible things it's also so that we can learn about the amazing not an american people that have come before us right right yeah that's a good tagline. That's better than... And we talk about horrible shit. No? <laughs> and the people that fought them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is just horrible. And I'm just like, I'm not shocked that we wouldn't learn about this in any of our schooling. But I'm glad also that we're talking about a lot of these horrible things because the United States, like, like back then when you said they reported on this when it happened, they painted it a, a whole different way than it really was, right? Yeah. They lied. Um, yeah. And they said that it was the um, Puerto Ricans. <laughs> that, exactly. You know, um, they're the wrong. Yeah. And no, you know, we need to call things what they are. This was a massacre. It was, you know, yeah. and and there's so many people now that are trying to not now since always <laughs> since the inception of the United States um, have tried to rewrite and have successfully rewrote the history yeah. of the United States, which is why it took me right and us a long time to learn the reality of what happened to uh native americans right the reality of mm -hmm. thanksgiving 
um, and so on and on and on and on. It's like, no, you know, the United States has done Tough. horrible things and we need to name what those horrible things are for what they really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another reason why I wanted, I got this book and I've been reading all, all of it while listening to it. Um, but because uh, a lot of us don't know much about Puerto Rico, right? But then some people have the audacity to open their giant ass mouths <laughs> and be like, well, they're better off now or they should be part of the United States. And I'm like, I'm sorry, hearing this, you, do you still believe that? Uh, so mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to, I'm going to be doing a few episodes on Puerto Rico. Um, and my sources are going to be linked in the show notes if you want to read more about this and the book as well. But yeah, there's a whole bunch that they've done that um, this is just the surface. This is just one thing. <laughs> and yeah. it's just truly disgusting that, I'm sorry, I just have one more point. <laughs> the, <laughs> the United States has done such horrible things to Puerto Rico. And now so many Americans use Puerto Rico as, you know, a fucking tax haven. Yeah. And like, you know, for vacations, they think of it as a vacation place. And no, these are real people with a real country that have faced real issues caused by the United States. Now, I'm not trying to yeah. say that we shouldn't vacation anywhere where the United States have done horrible things, because that, mean we, that means we couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. But if we are yeah. going to take vacations in, in somewhere like Puerto Rico or like, say, Hawaii, we need to know <laughs> what. Yes. The United ha- yeah, what has happened there at the hands of the United States and what continues to happen there, right? We can't pretend these are just beautiful tropical paradises. Like, no, th- to many people, this is not a paradise because of the United States. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So um, my, new, my next few topics will probably be Puerto Rico, unless I need something light in between. Cause <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess that is it, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, thanks for listening. A reminder, if you want a way to support the show financially, you can check out our premium feed on Supercast. It is linked in the show notes. It gives you ad-free episodes and the very occasional bonus episode. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll catch everyone next time. Bye. Bye.